Wow. Amen. You can be seated. I just, I just love his presence. I really f- sensed that the uh, Lord was doing a work uh, in worship. When we can declare, Lord, it's well. My eyes are on you. Wow. Sometimes hard to follow him. Not follow where he's going, but follow what he's doing after he just shows up. You may be sitting here and you may be thinking, man, I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) That's okay. He meets us right where we are. He just wants you to experience today, not just hear about, but experience that love that's unstoppable, unshakable, that love that it's really beyond articulation, it's beyond what we can wrap words around, Uh, that love that he desires for us to know. Wow. That's something that sometimes it's hard for us to understand in this culture because in this culture, we know more with our mind than we do with encounter. Are you with me? We, We can have an understanding of something and we say, oh, I know that. But it's that when it goes from that place to just knowing it in our head to we walk into encounter with him, when we walk into that place where we meet with him, Here's what I know. When we do, everything changes. When we meet with him, it's that burden that we've been carrying that he says, you don't have to carry it anymore. And you know what? It doesn't mean that we have all the answers. I'm, I'm convinced that... Uh, don't misunderstand me. The mind is not a bad thing. It's a terrible thing to waste. But the mind many times is how we try to relate to God, and it wasn't created for that. Are you with me? The mind was created, it was our soul, that was where we we connect emotionally with one another. It's not where we connect with Him. We connect with Him through our spirit. Now, what are you talking about? 1 Thessalonians 5 talks about our spirit, our soul, and our body, 5.23 talks about our spirit, our soul, and our body. Just as the Father is, uh, the Godhead is three in one, so are we. You know, it's a cheesy illustration, but it, it's something that we can wrap our reasoning around, our mind around, but it's just like an egg. An egg has three parts, but it's one egg. Are you with me? There's the shell, there's the yolk, and there's the white part of the egg. How many eggs do you have? You got one egg. It has three parts. Same way that man is made up. There's three parts to us. We are a body. That's what we have to have to function inside of this earth that we live on. It's this earth suit. That was the way God created it in Genesis. He created uh, Adam and Eve to rule this earth. And then they believed a lie. And uh, when they believed the lie, it affected their identity. It, it brought sin into the world. And it affected their authority. And the same thing happens today. When we buy a lie of our identity, it affects our authority and our ability to function like he created us to function in this earth. No one can do that to you. You have to believe the lie. And when you believe the lie, you empower the liar. 
You know, the same thing is true in our life. The same thing is true in our life, not just in the spirit realm, but in the natural realm. When If someone lies about you or someone, even as you, if you were growing up, I just want to break this off. You were growing up and someone told you you'll never amount to anything. That's a lie because he said that you were wonderfully and fearfully made. So someone, that lie, but when you bought into that lie and you believed, it may have been someone in authority over you, when you bought into that lie and believed into that lie, you empowered that liar in your life. And you know what you begin to do? You begin to fashion your life around the lie. I mean, we just sang about that. I was lied to. But you are truth. (laughs) And you told the truth to me. Man, that just ran all over me. Man, there's so many who've been lied to. And they believe the lie, and it empowers the liar. And as we empower the liar, then what he, he has entryway into our lives. And he come for one reason, to steal, kill, and destroy. Right? I, uh, you know, this week I've... Uh, been just intentional. It's been a very busy week. Probably one of the busiest weeks I've had in a long time. I had meetings all day and had a meeting every night this week. I had some type of meeting every night this week and had them all throughout the day. Some days it would start at 6 in the morning and it wouldn't end until late that night. And uh, not the same meeting, thank the Lord. <laughs> uh, as I've been just meditating on Him and I've been thinking about this culture that we desire in this place one where heaven touches earth and I began to meditate on that reality that that's not a a lofty dream that's a reality that the father has for us that heaven touches earth right where we are we're those agents of change that that brings heaven to earth so I I was just pressing into with uh, the Lord about you know God we're believing for outpouring here we're believing for the harvest. You know, we've talked about the harvest. We, we read uh, last week and he, where he said, stretch out uh, your curtains and lengthen your cords and drive in your stakes. And, you know, I believe as I was looking at that again, I was going to go back, but I'm not. But I believe that that's not just a word for our church. I believe the Lord's saying, I want you as individuals to make room for expansion. I want you as individuals to make room for growth because what the Lord is getting ready to do, I'm seeing this and I hear the word, the Lord confirming that the growth that he's doing right now is an exponential growth. It's not an addition, it's a multiplication. Amen. See, we're so caught up in addition, you know. One and one is two, two and two is four. And he's saying, what I'm wanting to do is I want to take you beyond just adding. I want to multiply. And that comes as we set our attention on him. And uh, as I was looking at that, I was thinking, all right, Lord, we re- I really believe in you for an outpouring. What does that look like? I think the best place we can go when we ask things like that is to the word, right? So the Lord took me to a very, very familiar passage of scripture. And I'm like, wow, uh, I've seen it, but I didn't see it. And I think that we can look in Scripture and there's a precedence for this outpouring that we're believing God for. And I, I uh, asked Melita this morning as we were here uh, right around, they were practicing, and I don't know if they just finished or hadn't even started yet. I don't think they had even started yet. And I said, 
Jesus, listen, this is how awesome the Lord is. He told the disciples in Acts 1.8, what did he tell them? He said, you know, throughout the end of his ministry, he began to tell them, John 14, he began to tell them, look, I've got to go. I know you don't want me to go, but it's imperative that I go because when I go, I'm going to send the comforter. I'm going to send Holy Spirit. And he's going to be with, he's going to live in you. I'm with you right now, but I can only be with a few people at one time. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to be in you all. Y'all remember that? He's going to be in you all. So he was, he was setting them up for who was to come, not what was to come, but who was to come. Holy Spirit was to come. And he wanted them to know that it's important to you that I go. Now, that didn't make sense. I mean, it wouldn't make sense to us if Jesus was here walking in the natural with us and we were watching him. I mean, they were in awe. They were in, in wonder. You know, they even said, we've never heard it like this before. We've never seen these things before. You know, I, I'm reminded again when John the Baptist was in prison and he said, he sent some disciples and said, go ask if that's Jesus. And, and just tell him to tell me if it's him. Jesus didn't answer the question. He said, in, that, in a span of an hour, Jesus raised the dead, healed the sick, the, lime, the, the lame walked, the blind saw, the deaf heard. And he said, go tell John what you saw. What did he do? He said, this is what the kingdom looks like on the earth. That's what John came proclaiming. The one coming after me is bringing heaven to earth. And here's what it looks like. And I asked Melita, I said, Do you, isn't it neat, or I posed a, question, a statement, I don't know if I asked a question or not. I said, isn't it neat that Jesus told the disciples to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit came, but he didn't tell them what it would look like. He didn't tell them what that was going to look like. He said, just go wait, and, and you'll be endued with power. Then you'll go. Right? He didn't explain. Here's what it is. You're going to be in the upper room. You're going to pray, and you're, you're going to uh, feel ostracized. You're going to feel like I lied to you. I mean, these are the emotions they were feeling because Jesus was gone, and they were waiting for this, the, the manifestation. It says the day of Pentecost fully came. They were in the upper room. They were praying, and it says, let's just read it. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. So, here they are. There, Jesus has told them, go wait in Jerusalem till you be endued with power. Isn't that what he said? Acts 1.8. You can back up a few uh, a few pages, maybe just the same page, and depending on what your Bible layout is. And he said, you'll receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. He told them they would receive what? That's not a trick question. Work with me. He said, you'll receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now, they were in the upper room, and they were praying, and what came? A mighty wind, right? A mighty wind came. And when the mighty wind came... Fire came. Now, does any of those things 
immediately scream power to you. (laughs) A mighty wind. But in their minds, do you think they were looking for a wind and for fire? No, why? Because they had been with Jesus. They saw Jesus wreck every funeral he went to. That's what he did. He wrecked every funeral he went to. He could speak a word. And even his disciples, after being with him and seeing miracles, when he spoke to the wind and the wind just laid down, they go, man, what manner of man is this? That even in the winds and the waves obey him. See, if they would have had a box for what this was going to look like, I believe, this is tautology, I believe they could have missed what God was trying to do because it didn't look like what they were expecting it to look like. What did he tell them he was going to give them? New wine. There's something powerful about that new thing. (laughs) You know, we, we... In church, we've gotten familiar with that word. Well, God's going to do a new thing. God's going to do a new thing. God's going to do a new thing. And I'm, I'm, okay, I'm okay with the terminology. But my thinking is, do we really know what a new, do we, are we really open for a new thing? Because a new thing doesn't look like the old thing. And if the new thing is being viewed through the box or the glasses of an old thing, we can miss it when it comes. Are you with me? I mean, I'm, am I making sense to anybody but me? I just want to see, make sure that I'm, I'm not the only one here today in this. But here's some things the Lord uh, began to unload on me as I was looking at this. And we're saying, God, we want an outpouring. We want a harvest. And we want to see your spirit come. And you know what? It can be offensive to the intellect. When Holy Spirit comes, it can be offensive to the intellect. It can be offensive to tradition. And you've got to understand, not all of these people that were here were real religious people. He chose fishermen. He chose tax collectors. How many of you know they weren't the front row people on church? Right? That's not who they were. The tax collectors, no one liked. The fishermen, they were doing their deal. You see what I mean? So they didn't necessarily have the religious grid that some of them would have had. But he said, go wait in Jerusalem to be endued with power. Here's what's so cool. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly, <laughs> suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house. Listen to what the last part of verse 2 says. Where they were sitting. Where they were sitting. They had gathered themselves like he had told them to do, They were sitting down. They were waiting. And it says that when the Holy Spirit came in, like a mighty rushing wind, it divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Isn't it amazing? The word spirit literally means breath, or it can mean wind. So in Genesis, when God created man and he put his spirit who was Holy Spirit, right? In Genesis, when God created man, he put spirit in man. How did he do it? He blew in him. He breathed into him. And the man became a living being, a living soul. 
when God breathed his spirit in. So man sinned, and that spirit, uh, man's spirit died because of sin. God's spirit wasn't there dwelling in man like it had been before. And here on the day of Pentecost, these were believers. They had believed into Jesus. He said that they had, but they had, he said that they hadn't been filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's why it was important that they wait until they receive this power. Why? Because their purpose wasn't to just sit in a house. Their purpose wasn't to just sit in a house. Their purpose was to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. So here we are. We're, they're praying. They were having a good prayer meeting, and the Lord messed it up with wind, with a strong wind and tongues of fire as they were sitting there like they were supposed to be waiting. Now they were dwelling, verse 5, Now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men of every nation under heaven, And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. As you continue to read this in Acts chapter 2, verse 7, what did I read? I stopped with 6. Verse 7 says, Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look at, are not all these Galileans, and how is it that we hear each in our own language, which we were born. So think with me just a moment. They were in the upper room, just them, right? They were in a room in a house. Work with, this isn't a trick question. This is just saying. They were in a room like we are, alone, uh, in the room. They were praying, waiting for what the Lord had promised would come. And then when the Holy Spirit came like a mighty rushing wind, it wasn't just in the room any longer that people began to hear. Because the people on the outside, it says that there were people from every nation. There were people, uh, and now there were dwelling in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, what sound did they hear? Did they hear the mighty Russian wind coming out of the house? Or did they hear the sound of tongues coming out of the house? I think it was the sound of tongues. It was the manifestation of God's presence on them. And it said these men from all nations around the world began to hear something. And it wasn't just in the house. How many of you know that every man from every nation can't, fill a, can't come into a room where, the, where they were gathered? Right? I'm trying to make this really practical. So what does that tell us? That tells us that when the presence of the Lord came upon them, they didn't just continue to sit and soak in what they had. When the presence of the Lord came in and upon them, when He filled them with the Spirit, they got up and got out. He didn't have to tell them to. See, I I believe as we spend time with Him, as we soak in His presence, as we get to know Him, not just know mentally, as we get to know Him experientially. How do I get to know Him experientially? Because I spend time with Him in the Word, and He begins to give me those rhema downloads, that spoken Word. That's in, the, in the New Testament, there's two different words used pr- primarily for Word, W-O-R-D. One is logos, which is written, revealed, uh, is written Word. And then there's the rhema, which is the spoken, revealed Word of God. And it says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, that's every rhema, every spoken word, every revealed word of God, where God reveals who he is to us. Why does he do that? He does it for a purpose, so that we can get up from sitting and go out. (laughs) Amen. That's what happened here. It says they were, uh, verse 12 says, they were all amazed and perplexed, saying, 
to one another. What does this mean? But others mock, saying they are filled with new wine. Remember, I was saying earlier that we talk about the Lord wanting to do a new thing. And I believe that he does, something new that's outside of our box. Now, what does that look like? He didn't give us a a parameter of what that looks like. He just said it'll be new. Let me tell you this. I believe this, that the new thing the Lord does in me might be different than the new thing the Lord does in you. Because he didn't create us to be a cookie cutter. So as God begins to do a new thing in me, it might be something different he's doing in you. And if you try to measure what God's doing in you against what he's doing in me, you'll miss what he's doing. Don't shout me down. I know I'm preaching good now. Because what we look for is a model. We look for a form that we can fit into instead of a relationship that we can thrive in. And God's saying, I want to pour my spirit out on you individually. It says that they heard, these men from all over the nations heard in their tongue, right? They heard in their tongue. Why is that important? Because God went to them individually and said, here I am. I'm right here. And these were, these were Galileans. These were men from that nation, they, from that area. Uh, demographically, they were from that area. They weren't the men from their nations, but they heard from their nation. God spoke to them in their tongue to draw them. And these men become to come. And some began to mock. And they began, they began to say, these are just drunk on new wine. They're just drunk on new wine. But you know what? And here's what's so amazing to me. It didn't cause the disciples to lose track of what God was doing. It didn't, choose, it didn't cause them to lose focus of what he was doing in them and start questioning among themselves. Are we drunk? They said, we're drunk. Are we drunk? Did we miss it? Are we drunk? You know what? They were so inebriated with his presence, they didn't worry about what anyone else was saying. But many times, it's just the opposite of that. When the Lord begins to do a work in us, someone can say, man, you're crazy. And we go, am I crazy? Have I just left the grid? Am I, have I lost my mind? Some, it would be good for some people to lose their mind because it's got them boxed in. I had the opportunity this week to, uh, I was talking with this individual. I'm going to leave it as vague as I possibly can. I was talking to this individual, and they were having issues in their back. And uh, so I sit and I listen to them, and, and I let them talk for a few minutes, and I, I began to, I, uh, I said, all right, Lord, here we go. We're all in now. And this is someone that I'm building a relationship with. They know me, but they're still kind of looking at me, you know, like the cow at a new gate, kind of with a head cock thing, saying, all right, what's, what's the deal? What's going on here? And uh, I looked at him, and I started talking to him, and I said, hey, I said, I want to pray for you. And uh, it, it was still safe at this point. You know, it was still safe. I said, I want to pray for you. And they go, uh, all right. I said, but I don't want to just pray for you. I said, I want to share a testimony with you. We had in our service a couple of weeks ago this girl that was having tremendous back problems and had been hurting her really bad. And I said, she came in with it, and I said, we sat her down in a chair and picked her feet up, and one leg was shorter than the other, and we, uh, we prayed over her, and that leg grew out. And the pain stopped immediately. He said, what are you smoking? I'm not exaggerating. That was the words out of his mouth. What are you smoking? I just chuckled. I said, nothing. I said, I'm telling you the truth. He said, man, that's crazy. I said, that 
it might be crazy, but it's what the Lord did. And his phone rang. He said, I'm sorry, I got to go. These guys need me to come pick them up. And uh, I said, all right, I'll be back later to see you. So I came back by about an hour and a half later. And as I, as I came in, he was going out. He said, I got to run to the store. I'll see you later. And I hadn't had a chance to get back up with him. It kind of freaked him out, I believe. But, uh, but his perception didn't affect my reality. Are you with me? The reason it didn't is because I know who I am in him. I'm learning who I am in him. And as I'm learning who I am in him, I don't allow what others think to influence who he said that I am. Because they only have the influence that you give them. Any situation, any relationship in your life, people only have the influence that we give them. They only have the ability to speak into our lives and make them better or worse by what we give them. Are you with me? Some of that is gained through trust, through time together. Uh, I'll just tell you, what my wife says to me holds a whole lot more weight in this earth than anybody else. That's not disrespecting my parents. That's not disrespecting anybody in this room. We spend more time together. She knows me better, more intimately than anyone else. So she has a right to speak into me on a level that others don't have. Now, I surround myself with men who have a right to speak into my life as a man who's walked through things that I'm walking through, who've walked ahead of me, who are walking beside me. And I give them the right to speak into my life. But it's not the same weight that she carries. And you know what happens in our lives, many times we give people weight that they haven't earned through relationship that they've invested in with us. And when we give them more weight than they should have because they haven't invested into us, and they say something and it causes us to question who we are, which will affect how we walk in this world. But see, the disciples, Jesus had told them, wait till the Holy Spirit's come. You're going to receive power. And when Holy Spirit came, they didn't have a grid for it, but when he came, they knew it was him. And they didn't allow what everybody else said to affect what they were doing. We can prove it through this scripture right here. We'll see that they didn't stop doing They didn't come out speaking in tongues and people go, you shouldn't do that. You're just drunk and acting like a fool. They didn't go, well, I better stop. I better quit then because they didn't like it. <laughs> they don't like it. They didn't like Jesus. He didn't stop. I don't, you know, many times I've even looked at this passage of Scripture and they said, uh, they mocked them and saying they're on new wine. And I used to say, well, they weren't on new wine. And the Lord corrected me in my understanding and said, yeah, they were. They were on the new wine I told them they were going to get. They just weren't drunk on, on carnal, earthly new wine. They were filled with my new wine. And then in Luke chapter 5, Luke, Luke 5, 37 says, Also, no one puts new wine in the old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins and be spilled, and the skins, too, will be ruined. This is in the complete Jewish Bible. I love the way it's worded here. On the contrary, new wine must be put into freshly prepared wineskins. Besides that, after drinking old wine, people don't want new because they say the old is good enough. 
I believe that's why Jesus didn't give them an outline of what the Holy Spirit was going to look like. He said, you're going to receive new wine. And for you to receive it, you've got to be fresh and pliable. So they had to sit, they had to wait in the upper room with a blank slate saying, we don't know what it's going to look like, but he's promised it's coming. How much different would our lives be if we grab hold of the promise of God, where if it's where he says that he'll bless you physically, where if he says that he'll bless you financially, where if he says, I'll give you peace, it passes all understanding. Instead of saying, God, here's what that's going to look like, we just say, I believe your word is true, and I'm a blank slate. I'm a blank canvas for you to paint what that looks like. That's a good word right there. But he said, this, just this word, on the contrary, new wine must be put into freshly prepared wineskins. As I began to just meditate on freshly prepared, not just new, but freshly prepared, the thing the Lord really began to speak into my heart is that a freshly prepared heart speaks of one who lives in fellowship and communion with the Lord, active and present, fresh. Today is the day the Lord has made. I rejoice and I'm glad in it. Today is the day. This is the day. Not one day, someday. This is the day. It's fresh. His mercies are what? New every morning. His, his mercies are new every morning. So when I make a decision that, you know what? See, what am I saying? I'm saying I believe that that vessel that he's looking for in this day is that one that every morning is freshly prepared. It's that new wine skin. Uh, not yesterday's manna, not yesterday's revelation, but every day. Do you believe he's big enough that every day he can show you more of who he is? <laughs> if you don't, you're strongly deceived. That every day he can show you new aspects of his glory, of who he is. Not for us to hoard and put in our pockets, but for us to carry out and share with a world that's hurting. Amen. That's what he told them. That's what happened. He said, it, you wait in Jerusalem till you be endued with power. And when they were endued with power, it said a mighty rushing wind filled the room that they were in. And as it filled the, the room, they went out. You see how their posture changed? They went from sitting and waiting to standing and sharing. Just like that. They didn't go to Bible college. They didn't go to seminary. They went into encounter with the living God and said, you know what? I may not have all the answers, but I have an answer. Is that he changed me. He changed me. And sometimes that's the, the best word that we can give is that he changed me. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. As I said, they went from sitting to standing. Look at verse 14. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words, for these men are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour, uh, since it's only the third hour of the day. It's like nine in the morning. But this is what was uttered by the prophet Joel. 
And in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, it says this, And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. On my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my Spirit in those days, and they shall pro- prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath. He said, I'll pour out my Spirit on your sons and your daughters. On my men servants and on my maid servants. What's he doing? Through Joel, Peter's going back and he's declaring, through Joel, God has torn down this thing about the women are over here and the men are over here. What is he saying? That each of you are empowered to carry his presence. Don't let anybody put you in a box. But the first part says, but Peter standing with the eleven. So they were seated in the upper room. The presence of the Lord came. And when the presence of the Lord came, they weren't seated anymore. Now they're standing and they're proclaiming truth. (laughs) That's pretty good. I believe the same thing happens when we keep our hearts freshly prepared as we do. We'll find ourselves standing in front of people we had no idea we'd ever stand in front of. We'll begin to share things that we didn't know we could share. And we won't be intimidated by who they are. (laughs) Verse 15, I love this. The Lord really highlighted this to me some years ago. Peter didn't say they weren't drunk. He just said they're not drunk like you think. (laughs) Hopefully you've never been a drunk. But, peradventure you were or you knew one. Here's the thing about a drunk. They don't care who's in the room. They don't care what other people think because they're under, con- under the control of whatever they've been consuming. They'll do things and they'll go. They'll say things that, especially in the, in the culture that we live in now, somebody will take a picture of it, somebody will tweet it, somebody will Facebook it or something, and they'll go, I didn't do that. Oh, yeah, you did. I got proof that you did that. I would never do that. I would never do that. So what did Peter say? He said, they're not drunk like you think they're drunk, but they are under the control of another. And they're willing to lay down what others think for what they know they've encountered with him. So what does that mean? That means that we've got to live from a place of encounter, not knowledge. Is knowledge bad? No, but knowledge should always direct us into encounter with him. Are you with me? You're awake. Do I need to make everybody stand up? (laughs) I'm not above it. Look at this, Acts chapter 2. Let's just stay in 2, verse 22. Peter continuing to talk. He says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, the man attested to you, attested by God to you, by how? By miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. So what did, what did he immediately take them to? Not just knowledge. Are you listening to me? He didn't immediately just start to begin to debate Scripture with them. Did he? I'm asking. No. He took them to what? Encounter. He took them to where they said, you've seen what Jesus has done. You've seen the miracles. You encountered him. You didn't just hear about him. You don't just have a, a mental assent of what people have said about him. You had an encounter with him. 
And that's what he took them back to. I'm saying this. I believe that a key in revival, I'm not saying it's the only way that it comes, a key in a harvest that we see is where we can take people. Even as Paul said, I didn't come to you with preaching, enticing words of man's wisdom, but in power and in demonstration. Can I share another testimony with you? That was a rhetorical question. Because I'm going to share one with you. Last Saturday, I was... uh, I was studying, spending time with the Lord, and I said, all right, Lord, I want, I want a word. I want some prophetic words, something that I, I can't know about someone, and uh, I, want to just, I want you to just give them to me so that I can love on somebody. And that's what it was. So I, had, I got two things. It was three words, but it was two different things. One was pink shirt, and the other one was peanut. <laughs> pink shirt and peanut. That sounds spiritual, doesn't it? I mean, it came straight from the glory cloud, right? Pink shirt and peanut. So I didn't feel led in the service to share those. I don't think I did. Maybe I did. I don't remember now. But I didn't really look for them. But after the service, there was someone in a pink shirt that came up to me, and we began to talk. And, uh, and when we were talking, it clicked. Pink shirt. So I said, hey, yesterday when I was studying, I was asking the Lord for just a word for somebody, and I got pink shirt. And I said, he wants you to know how much he loves you and that, uh, that he's there for you where you are right now in this season, something to that effect. I don't even know what I said exactly. And they said, they just looked at me, and they looked at somebody else kind of funny and just kind of shook their head, and they said, it was about a year ago that I came. They were visiting. They said, I was here about a year ago, and you had a word for me a year ago, and you said that I was getting ready to experience breakthrough, something I had been believing for, I was getting ready to experience breakthrough. They said, shortly after you gave me that word, my husband was saved. So pink shirt, it wasn't for them. It was for me. (laughs) That's how much daddy loves me. No, I'm just kidding. So I was like, man, that's cool. And I just forgot about peanut, right? Pink shirt, that was pretty radical. I said, all right. So yesterday, uh, my wife and I are ministering to someone. And the Lord says, I want you to go see somebody. And I said, all right. And I knew that it wasn't a place where I was going to sit down and read the Bible to them or anything like that. I was just going to go minister some things the Lord was putting on my heart. So, uh, but I, I felt the Spirit of the Lord leading me to take my iPad with me. And it wasn't a, Todd, take your iPad. It wasn't an audible word or anything like that. It was really the fact, it was really like this. And here's the way I'm learning. Here's the way I'm encountering him. I got ready to walk out and I was thinking about my iPad. And I was like, I don't need my iPad. So I got, I got even further, and I thought about my iPad again. I'm like, I don't need my iPad. And, and, and it was really like the, the Spirit said, okay, then. I'm like, I think I'll get my iPad. <laughs> I'm sharp like that. I said, I'll get my iPad. Took my iPad, put it under the seat, got out of the Jeep, didn't even get it out with me, and I talked to him for a little while. And we're sitting there, and we're talking, and, and the Lord's given me some Heavy things to say to this individual in love. Not judgment, not condemnation, but just calling out destiny on the inside of them. And he began to give me downloads about stuff they had been dealing with, emotions they had been dealing with, and things like that for years since they were a child. And uh, I began to share these things with them, and they were just, they had a grid for it because they know me. It was somebody I have a relationship with. And they were just kind of looking at me, kind of looking at me, and I said, and then all of a sudden, and they've got a dog that's about this big, it fit in your pocket just about, and the dog has a problem with fetch. 
I mean, you can just... And that's what you have to do while you're talking. If you don't, the dog will pick it up. He'll put it in your lap, and he'll poke you. Pick it up, put it in your lap, and poke you. If you don't get it, he'll jump up on the couch and look at you. So almost an hour, I'm sitting there talking to him. I'm sitting in the chair. I'm doing this. And he said, if you don't, if you don't watch it, peanut will wear you out. Peanut was this dog's name. Peanut. He said, as a matter of fact, I've created, I've made a thing. He said, I've just got to get one more switch. I've made a thing that's got a little funnel. He drops the ball in it, and it'll shoot the ball down the hall. <laughs> that's how bad a problem Peanut has. I'm not exaggerating. This guy, he's... It does engineering. He said, I create, I made this thing, and it's got a funnel. When he drops it, it's going to shoot down the hall. I said, you better, you better remember to pick that thing up at night because Peanut will run you and him both crazy. Peanut will be wake up in the morning like this, <laughs> dropping the ball because he did, he did. Over an hour, he didn't stop, nonstop. But his name was Peanut, right? Peanut. So I told him, he said, I, I told him, I said, I just want you to know how much Jesus loves you. And everything I said may not be right, because I'm telling you, I just went for it. If I felt like the Lord had told me, I just gave it. I'm like, you know what? It's a blank slate. And, and uh, I, I said, the Lord wants you to know how much he loves you. I said, last Saturday I was studying, and I said, Lord, I want you to give me a word for somebody just so, you, so they know how much you love them. And I said, one of the words he gave me was peanut. He said, you kidding me. I said, huh, let me go get my iPad. So I went out of the car and I got my iPad. The reason I needed to have my iPad there is because in my, the documents that I have, it shows the last day that they were opened. You understand what I'm saying? It shows the date and the time that I last opened that document. And the last time I opened that document was last Sunday at, 10 at 6 a.m. So when I showed him, I said, I want you to know that this isn't something I went to the car and I punched in. That this is something that was there, and the last time I looked at this document and, uh, and adjusted this document was 6 o'clock last Sunday morning. He was like, man, no way. That's crazy. Peanut. I said, peanut, right there on the paper. Peanut. What the world? You know what? That's how much he loves people. That's how much he loves people, and what he's looking for is opportunities for us to just say, you know what, God? I'm your son. You said that you've put your spirit in my heart and that he hears what you're saying. So I just want to tune in to what you're saying. It's like the, the illustration that right now in this room, there's radio signals flying through the room. Now, the reason you don't hear them is because you're not tuned to them. But it doesn't mean that they're not here. There are TV signals right now running through the room, shooting through your body, pew, right now in the room, but because you're not a TV tuner, you don't pick them up. Thank the Lord you don't. It would be annoying to have a bunch of TV stations going off right now. But the reason that they don't is because we don't tune into them. The same thing, the Father is always speaking. He always has a word of encouragement and affirmation for someone, and he's looking for those who will tune into his voice. What is it? A fresh, freshly prepared wineskin that he can pour his wine into. 
And you know what's exciting? As we make that transition from living for ourselves to living for Him and for others, it's amazing what the Lord does in us and how blessed we get. Because when I left yesterday, the things that I said were to be for His encouragement, for His edification, but when I left, I knew that I had heard from the Lord and that, that I had delivered what He told me to deliver. And you know what else is so awesome? It's not up to me how He responds. Their response is not your responsibility. <laughs> Our responsibility is just to deliver. It's up to them how they respond to it. So I was uh, really encouraging that as I began to think about uh, how the Lord desires to speak to us every day. And I said, Lord, you know, I want, that, I want my wineskin to be freshly prepared every day. Um, Time flies when I'm having fun. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5, verse 1 and 2 says this. Follow God. This is uh, the Passion Translation. I told you about the Passion Translation. This is the Passion Translation. It says, follow God and imitate all he does in everything you do. For then you will represent, you will represent. You hear that? You will represent your father as his beloved sons and daughters. And continue to walk surrendered to the extravagant love of Christ. For he surrendered his life as a sacrifice for us. His great love for us was pleading to God, was pleasing to God like an aroma of adoration, a sweet healing fragrance in heaven and earth. <laughs> Come on. So what does he say in the first verse? Here's what he says. He says, follow God and imitate all he does in everything you do. Then you will represent or represent your father as his beloved sons and daughters and continue to walk Surrender to the extravagant love of Christ. For he surrendered his life as a sacrifice for us. His great love for us was pleasing to God like an aroma of adoration, a sweet healing fragrance in heaven and earth. So as we follow God and imitate him, what does our lives become? A sweet aroma of healing fragrance in heaven and earth. That's good. That's good. That's what he desires. That's what he has gifted us to be able to do. Not that we have to go do this or we have to go do that, but that we get to be that fragrance of Christ in the earth. We get to be the fragrance of Christ in the earth. And what happens after that, if you look at this, as you go back to Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to draw this to a close. If you go to Acts chapter 2, Peter's preaching, and... Uh, he talks about David, and he says, uh, he quotes David, and saying they saw the Lord before him. And then if you continue down in verse 29, it says, Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David, he both died and is buried, and his tomb is with us today. Being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that he would set, out, set one of his descendants on his throne, 
he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of all that, and of that we all, all are witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from him the fa- from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you s- yourselves are seeing and hearing. Again, what does it go back to? That Peter referenced them back to an encounter they were having. Are you with me? Peter referenced them back to an encounter, not just to quoting Old Testament scriptures. He referenced them back to an encounter that they were having. He said, I want you to go back. This that you see and this that you hear, this is the Holy Spirit that he promised. This is what he said he was going to do. You're, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that I'm still seeing visions. As he said, your young man will see visions and your old man will dream dreams. So I'm thankful I'm still seeing visions. So he goes on down. I, I wanted to get to this because I talked about outpouring and harvest. Now, when they had heard this, verse 37, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So what was he saying right then? He said, they said, What do we do? What you said is just cut us to the heart. What do we do? He said, Two things you need to do. Repent, which means to turn, change the way you think, the way that you see things. Repent, and when you repent and turn, be baptized, which means the old man died, the new man is coming up. I was crucified with Christ, and he said, and you'll be saved, and you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. So do you have to tarry and wait for Holy Spirit to come? No. They did. When people quote that, denominations quote that, uh, that well, we got to tarry and wait on Holy Spirit. No, they waited for his initial coming on the day of Pentecost. But after that, here's disciples, moments after, well, I can't say moments because who knows how long Peter preached, right? Let's be real. We read it and go, oh, that was two minutes, that message, whatever. It wasn't long, but whatever. Peter spoke and then just moments after they had this encounter with the Lord, they were telling people, well, here's what you need to do, and you can have the same encounter. How cool. What a message of encouragement we can carry people. Look, not when you repent enough, not when you're, and, and repentance is not just, oh, you got to pay penance. Repentance means to turn. He said the thing that's necessary is that you change the way you think about him and about what he said he would do for you, then be baptized, which is an outward showing of the inward work, and you can receive Holy Spirit just like we just got him. And the people who had seen this thing and they had heard this thing and some who had said, these people are crazy. They have lost their minds. Those people, when Peter took them back to encounter and said, the thing that you're seeing, the thing that you're hearing, this is the promise that was prophesied about. This is the promise that the scriptures talk about. And it can be yours today. This Jesus that you crucified is both Lord and Christ. And you can receive him today. And when Peter said those things to him, he said this, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift. Listen to that. He said, Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. He didn't say, Confess all your sins. So for someone to be born again, it doesn't mean they got to confess all their sins. That's what we were taught. I was taught that in Bible college. I was taught, you pray this prayer, you have them confess all their sin, and they can be born again. 
He doesn't tell us that. He says, repent, change your mind, see things from his perspective, and be baptized. Again, it's an outward obedience to what God's done on the inside of you. And he said, you'll be, you'll be forgiven of your sins. You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For, listen, for the promise is for you and your children and for all who are afar off. He said, this promise is for you and for your children. And I got one over that. For all who are afar off. Everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them. I told you it wasn't a two-minute message. He probably closed five times. <laughs> Hallelujah. Saying, listen to this. He began to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Man, if he said that in that day. Oh, Jesus. Verse 41, so those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. What happened? What happened? They did what the Lord told them. They were seated, seated in the upper room, waiting for the promise. He came, not it, he came. And when he came, he came with power and demonstration. And as he came, he was poured out on them. They poured out of the building. And they were out in the streets. And they were just flowing in what God had put in them. You know what? They could have just sat in the room and just sat in the glory. Oh, Jesus. But what happened? They said, you know what? We're going to walk out in what we have. And as they walked out, listen. As they walked out what he had put in, the more came. And then the whole city was affected by it. And in a moment of time, 3,000 people were born again. I would say that's a harvest. That's a harvest. Around 120 in the upper room, the 12 apostles, spirit poured out, 3,000 get saved. I'm just going to be totally honest with you right here. As honest as I can be, I don't. I'm not ready for the river to see 3,000 people born again right now and come into this place because it would kill us. It would kill, we'd blow up. And I ain't talking about trying to stuff them in the building. I'm just talking about trying to disciple 3,000 people. But if that's what he wants, he can do it. But I'm just saying, think about that. I mean, think about that in a moment of time, three, think about this. Think, 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 think. 3,000 people got baptized. That wasn't a 45-minute service. I'm just saying. I'm not promoting long services. I'm just saying when 3,000, Peter preached, and he says, with many other words, he exhorted them. Come on, Jesus, I feel you all up in this place right now. Many other words, he exhorted them. And then when he exhorted them, he, they said, what do we need to do? He said, repent and be baptized. They said, let's do it. Why? Because he called them back to the encounter that they had had. Not just some reasoning that they were doing back and forth. But he brought them back to the encounter and said, this is Jesus that you've just encountered. And they go, what do we need to do? He said, change the way you think and be baptized. And they said, let's do it. And 3,000 people. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a harvest to me. How did it come? Because they worked it up? Because they did enough? No. 
because they were obedient to what he told them to do. They waited like he told them to wait. And as they waited, he came. And when he came, they went out. How, that's simple, right? It's not difficult. And the same thing is with us. You know what? You don't have to wait in the upper room. It can be your closet. It can be your road to work. I'm raining pins. It can be your trip to work that you spend time with him. But as you do, here's what I know. What he puts in you, it's for you to put out. It's for you to let out. And uh, I've got just a couple. Jessica, you come up here. She came up to me in worship. She said, I want to share a testimony. So I'm going to let her share uh, a testimony. And then, uh, Kathy, you come. Because this is how cool the Lord is. All right? Cool the Lord. I hope that doesn't sound offensive to you, the Lord being cool. (laughs) It's how amazing he is to me. Is that I was just saying, Lord, all right, I want to. I want to teach about a model from the scriptures of what an outpouring and a harvest looks like. And he took me to Acts when he said, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. <laughs> Amen. And then in the service, it's cool. We were at the worship team had just finished practicing, and I walked up to Kathy. And I, have I ever done that, Kathy? Have I ever walked up to you and said, I said, Kathy, if you got a word from the Lord, I want to know it. And Brian starts laughing. Brian's like me. When Brian laughs, his face turns red. So Brian starts laughing, turns red, and I was like, is that, a, is that a confirmation? And Kathy's like, yeah, I was just saying the Lord had just given me something. I know if it was just for me or if it was for the body. And uh, so then she came back to me and said, see, here's the scripture the Lord gave me. I said, praise the Lord. That's awesome. But uh, what does he do? He confirms the word with signs and wonders. And I didn't, I didn't come in this morning saying, God, give me signs and wonders. I came in saying, Jesus, I want to reveal you. And uh, we ha- I had three people come up to me. Josh came up to me also. I'm going to let, let him share because I believe the Lord wants to do, to, I believe some things are going to be broken off. Go ahead. Well, I was going to share this yesterday when he was, he was calling a, a bunch of people. Friday. Or, yeah, Friday. Um, and a bunch of people were giving their testimonies. Um, I wanted to give it then, but God said no. And I said, well, I want to. He said, no, give it, to, give it Sunday. I said, but there's going to be more people there. <laughs> and he said, I know. <laughs> so um, and we went to the Dominican, um, and it was, like, so incredible. Um, we, went, we were in the river in there, um, and we were just, we had a really good service. And then um, the pastor there, he wanted us to pray over the kids. So we were in a circle, and we were praying for these kids, and then he started grouping them off and giving each kid to um, each person. Um, that whole day, um, my head and my whole body was just, it, I felt awful. But I said, no, I'm not going to deal with this. I'm going to the service. Amen. <laughs> so, um, so I went, and we were praying for these kids, and I just wanted to sit there and just sit there and pray from my chair, you know, (laughs) but I didn't. (laughs) I actually got up there, and so we were, I was praying for this one boy. I think he was about 10 or 11, and he, like, I was praying for him. I wasn't even praying for a certain thing. I didn't know if he needed anything prayed for or anything. I was just praying for him and speaking over him, and, like, I felt like this tingling in my whole head and um 
like you just drank a soda and it was like really fizzy. So I felt it all Come in on. my head. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> and like, and then like, I, I just felt it the whole time I was praying for him. And after I was praying for him, um, I didn't, I didn't know I was healed yet, but like my whole body was healed. <laughs> I, I was I didn't know it yet. Cause I guess I couldn't like my mind couldn't comprehend it yet. So I was like, Okay, so we were just like crying and hugging each other because he was like bawling. I don't know, I don't know if I healed him or anything because I couldn't understand him. But <laughs> <laughs> but um, so we were about to leave, and I was I was just like sitting there thinking, and I was like, you know, he really did heal me. Like that actually happened, and so I told. Did I tell Melita? I told Melita. I was like, that little boy, he healed me. And she was like, did you tell him that? I said, no. <laughs> and so she was like, you better tell him before we leave. So I got a translator and I got the little boy. And I told him through tears, many tears, that um, he healed me. And, like, his face just lit up, and he just was, like, bawling. We were just crying on each other, hugging each other. And the, our translator, he was like, oh, my goodness, did that just happen? <laughs> it, was, it was really funny. But, um, yeah, I just really felt um, led to share that. Amen. That's awesome. Come on. Again, that's just what I just preached. They went out. She said, even though I didn't feel like it, I went out. And as she was given out over him, the presence of the Lord was given into her, and she was healed. And fizzy things like drinking, how, man, how many of you had a good ginger ale? You know, and you drink it, and you go, oh, man, that was good. You know what I'm talking about? That's where my mind goes. I'm sorry. Kathy, come on. As she's coming, I do want to share, I want to release this, uh, I put it down in the bottom of my notes. As I was uh, pressing into the Lord yesterday, just saying about today and preparing for today, I, uh, I got this word, and it was that I saw a little boy standing behind the door in fear, and it was a young child. I don't know how old. Uh, and the Lord wants you free today from that fear and torment. I don't know what had you behind the door, but I really had just like I was sitting at my desk, and it was just like this little boy. You ever got behind the door and just pulled the door? Like, man, nobody knows I'm in the world right now. And I saw that. And, uh, you know, you don't have to come up to me if you want. You can, and I'll pray for you at the end of the service. But I didn't want to forget that because I believe it's for today. And it was, I just saw a little boy behind, it, I think it was a white door, just pulled the door, and they were just in fear and in torment. And the Lord said, I want you free of that trauma. So, amen. So... Some of you were here on Friday, and I, I talked about how God is really speaking to me about being encouraging to people in the body because we're all going through something, and we all have um, things that we're, we're bringing, well, Satan is bringing fear on us, but God is the person that we really need to be focused on, and God is the one who has all of our answers. And yeah. I really believe that if we can be encouraging to each other, God helps us to take our minds off those situations and and really get focused on when we're helping and encouraging each other that we can definitely um, bring strength to each other. But also, and Stephanie pointed out to me after, that it, God uses that to bond us and make us stronger for him. 
And then this morning when I was sitting here listening to worship practice and um, I got the, uh, the words of um, Corinthians is Paul, right? Mm -hmm. So Paul talks about how uh, when he first went, started preaching, I was with you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. And in my speech and my preaching were not with words, persuasive words of human wisdom, but of demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And as we get closer and we get stronger and we take our, our eyes off the things that are distracting us and, and putting our eyes just on God and on on other things that we know that God's going to do those things and that, w that he's just going to bring our breakthrough forward and we're going to see those good things come to pass. So, Amen. Isn't that cool? Do y'all remember me quoting that verse in my message? Maybe some. Some going, okay, yeah, sure you did. But I quoted that, and why is that important? Not for me, but, but I had the message before I came. The Lord spoke that to her and gave her that passage to confirm what the word he had given to her. Are you tracking with me? That's just how he works. That's just how he works as we press into him uh, to encourage you. So, Josh. So, uh, the whole time I was up here in worship, I was just pressing into the Lord, and he really started speaking to some things about me, or speaking some things to me. Um, about myself, and uh, one of the biggest things that most people don't talk about in church is sex, and what in your life, and what you struggle with, and the things you go through, and, and we all know pornography is a huge hindrance to people, um, being, you know, pure with your wife, and pure just as a person is, is a huge struggle, um, so I know one of the biggest things that I struggled with probably for about 20 years, was pornography. And it streamlined through my whole life. Uh, it was a big, a big struggle. Um, I, somebody in my life was into it and introduced me to it. And um, this person had a lot of influence in my life um, and poured a lot into me. And through that, when you find somebody that you look up to and they're into something like that, you think, oh, it's okay. You know, it's not a big deal. It's not going to hurt me. It's not going to hurt other people. It will. Um, in my life, what I've walked through, I mean, me and Emily, we started our marriage out with an affair. So starting at probably nine or 10 years old with a starting in pornography dwindled into all these steps that took a huge toll on my life um, and the people in my life. Um, shame was a big thing that I dealt with. Um, with worship, with people, with being around people, with speaking to people. Um, one of the biggest things that God's really been working on me in is men. Um, leading men's fellowship is something that scares me to death. <laughs> and when I told Todd that, you know, the Lord was really prompting me to take that over, that it was something that just, it scared me, you know. Um, Men were something that were intimidating. They were something that uh, were just hard to break past. You know, I'm not your typical man. I went to hairdressing school. I mean, <laughs> my dad looked at me kind of funny when I told him that. So, I mean, it was a, it was a big, big change for me. Um, but like I said, the thing that I feel like most people don't talk about in church is sex. They don't talk about what it's supposed to look like. They don't talk about what healthy looks like. They don't talk about what perversion looks like in a marriage. 
Um, my wife, you know, for many years dealt with the aspect of having to deal with me in that. Um, things like that. These are, these are real things that happened in our lives for five years. Um, and it was a struggle throughout my entire life that, you know, started out with one person that amplified through multiple people. Um, and I heard Bill Johnson say this not long ago. He was, uh, he was sharing a testimony. He was uh, at a conference, and this lady was up at the front. She was dancing, um, kind of like I do sometimes, which I'm sure makes some people uncomfortable. <laughs> and it made him uncomfortable. And he was like, man, I, just, something, I don't know what that's about. And Heidi Baker was sitting next to him and uh, walked over and tapped him on the shoulder and said, wow, isn't that beautiful? And he goes, yeah, that's, that's different. And she said she was a prostitute for 30 years. And she has now gone from that to this and how much it changed her life and what the expression outside of her looks like now compared to what it used to look like. So when I am up at the front and I'm dancing and it may be different, especially for men. I mean, let's just be honest. I don't see very many men at the front. I don't see very many men dancing. And that's not a condemnation thing. That's just it's not normal. And my daughter has taught me probably the most about that, to be free in who I am as a man. You know, on Saturdays, we spend time together, and uh, we'll dance together. We'll turn on worship music, and uh, Jesus Culture has a CD out that's uh, restructured. Mel introduced me to it, and it's like our Saturday morning thing. We just get together, and we dance together. And sometimes Em walks in, and she's like, whoa. <laughs> but that's why when she's, she stays in worship with us until she's ready to go into the toddler room. Uh, but I keep her in here on purpose because I want her to experience what I experience, and I want her to know when she grows up and when she walks out and when she does things that she's okay to do what she sees her daddy do. And that's what every kid in here is doing is they're looking at you as a dad, and they're saying, you know what? You're my example. Mom, you're my example. They're looking to see what you're going to do, and they're going to emulate what you do. I emulated what happened to me when I was a kid. It was what I was taught. Remember that every time that you're around your kids, you're around your wife, you're the example. You're, God made you to be the man in your house. He made you to be the guide in your house, and he was the one that put you in that place. You know, Don't be like Adam. Don't sit there and be like, oh, it was her fault because it didn't. No, it's your fault because she's the one that's looking at you. You're the man. So in that, your kids are looking at you the same way. You know, I, I have walked through many things, and anger was a huge part of that with shame and pornography. Every time that I would get angry with my wife, that was the immediate thing I would turn to. And when I would turn to it, it would make it even worse. And guess what would happen? I would start to get in a rage. And when I say I would get in a rage, I would get to a place where there's holes in our walls. There were names and things that I called my wife that were ungodly, let me just tell you. And I've seen a wife that has risen from the floor in some of our arguments to a place where now she calls me a godly man. Amen. So I encourage you guys to be godly men, to be godly women, to raise your kids and raise whoever's around you, if that means you're a teacher, if you're a pastor, if you're a, uh, a youth leader, if, whatever it is, just the people around you, your coworkers, you're leading somebody. You're leading people around you. So yeah. in that, make decisions based off of what God called you to be, not who you think you are, but who he said you are. That's right. Amen.
You are.